We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now, leave a message. They will return your call at 905-529-7165. Take a peek at the website, too. You can listen to old shows there and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. That's all at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddononeword.com. And, of course, uh, they'll get back to you as well. And also, a reminder that starting next week, Saturday, February 24th, Fourth, new show, new time. Well, no, I guess same show, new time. Yeah, I don't want to confuse. It's just things. daylight savings time. I don't want. To, <laughs> I don't want to confuse <laughs> or, sorry, things. Sleep saving time. I don't want to confuse anything more than we already have. Uh, <laughs> Saturday, February twenty fourth, next Saturday, new start time for the show, starting at eight o'clock. The show will now run from eight till nine o'clock, starting February twenty fourth. That is next Saturday. All right. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Uh, Val- Valentine's Day already over, but it's still leading up to that weekend. So I guess it's still a Valentine's yeah, Day. It's so Valentine's Day. Do we do we do we merge Valentine's Day and finance, or is that taboo? Well, you know, mm. Valentine's Day is, uh, puts a little pressure on people. Yeah, you know, tell me does. about it. You know, there's some financial pressure mm-hmm. because you know, there's some expectations. Expectations are never really that good when yeah. it comes to money. Plus, flowers are a bad investment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By, by now, it's already Saturday. Yeah. See, some of these flowers may not look be looking so good. Do you remember That's, those commercials where it said it didn't matter what the cost was? Certain things were priceless. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, oh, you know. See, Andy's, wow. Andy's oh, saying, Andy's don't, don't Andy's fall for Andy's this. Andy's been swallowing the Kool-Aid here. <laughs> now, this was a, this was a, this I just was, say, don't fall into that trap where somebody says, oh, don't worry about Valentine's Day. Yeah. We don't need to celebrate. No. Just oh, no. You better have a card ready just no, in case. You got to have something. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting. Every marriage is a little different. Mine would actually say the opposite. I do not want those high-priced flowers at that time or high-priced restaurants at that time because, you know, everybody's out there. Let's just go at a different time when it when it's, you know, suits us. Yeah. I like that. She just likes a like ha- just a handmade card. Now, which one's the financial planner again, you or your wife? Uh, well, <laughs> actually, it does take two to tango when it comes to finances. There you go. That's and it's it. kind of interesting, leading right up to what I want to talk about. They actually, they actually surveyed 1,550 people. And they found out that 36% of Canadians are a bunch of liars to each other, to the spouses. What do you, oh no. Okay. They're lying to each other about financial matters. Yeah. 36%. Yeah. And so a little more than a third. And it's kind of funny. It was equal between men and women. Hmm. So it didn't matter which sex you were. Yeah. You know, men lied, women lied. And yet it's kind of interesting at the same token, it's either the number one reason or, or number two reason, depending which survey, right. why there's divorce. Mm. Money. Money is such an important one. So they did find, though, it did matter how old you were. So the younger ones lied more than the older ones. Mm. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe because maybe they uh, got caught and now the older ones are afraid to lie. Right. But 18 to 34 year olds, they fibbed. And it could be a major fib, could be a small fib. You right. Know, it could be anything. Andy and I were talking just before. And, well, did you buy Tim Hortons coffee today? Well, you know, that's a couple bucks. Is that something you discuss? Yeah. Or did I buy a new bike today? Well, that's a different story. That's a, a few thousand dollars. So, uh, or maybe, well, I bought this, but it didn't really cost 2000 It only cost 1000 Well, I saved really, 1000 I saved 1000 <laughs> You know, there's a lot of rationalizations. Yeah. But 18 to 34-year-olds, 47% of them had lied to their better half mm. versus 65-year-olds, only 18%. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So I guess they're, uh, you know... They get a little more truthful as time goes on. <laughs> or maybe forgetful. You, can't <laughs> you don't remember what lies <laughs> what you spent told. on. That's right, yeah. <laughs> or what know. considers a lie anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm lying, I didn't lie. That's right. Okay. Um, income level didn't matter. If you're low income level or high income level, the same percentage applied. 
And it's kind of funny. I remember I was in this uh, bicycle uh, um, charitable event out in Cambridge, and they have different quotes. Yeah. And one of the quotes was, and all over the uh, after this after the bicycle event was done, you're sitting in an arena, and they had all these different quotes. So anyway, one of the quotes was. My biggest fear is that when I die, my wife will sell my bike for what I told her I paid for it. <laughs> yeah, you could put anything there in place of bike. <laughs> you could, no question. Golf clubs, whatever, okay? It could be anything. And that, that's, that's me you know, stretching it a bit because, you know, it's kind of funny. I know on the bicycle, and you could go so many different sports. There's such a difference in price. Yeah. You know, whether you're a skier, yeah. um, you know, low end skis might be a, a few hundred dollars, mm-hmm. high end skis might be, you know, a few thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, bicycles, carbon fiber versus aluminum yeah. goes from like 1,000 to 5,000 yeah. quite quickly. So, you know, the, the kind of the most known ones though, was running up the credit cards mm. without telling. And I've come across this one probably the most where uh, a, a spouse, had run up the credit cards mm-hmm. and literally even put started a new post office box. Oh, I was going to say, how did they not see the uh, statement? Yeah. So, so the statement went to the post office yeah. box. <laughs> yeah. Now that's intent. That's there's some planning there. There's a, a lot, lot of planning. There. Yeah. It does always <laughs> it is a different level. Yeah. <laughs> it always ends up. You know, the funny thing about debt, especially credit card debt, it's such a you know high interest. Mm-hmm. It always catches up to you. Yeah. In, in spite of the fact you might think. It's not going to. And was, the funny thing on this credit card debt, that was a, quite a large one, it was over $50,000 in credit card debt. Oh, my. Is that a lot of the debt was to buy the spouse things. Because mm. she felt good about buying the spouse. Retail therapy. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I Sounds gonna... like there might be a bigger problem here than finance. I think he bought a really good Valentine's gift. <laughs> 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 so I guess, uh, you know, it's just in this particular case, it was a lady. But uh, she was she was buying a lot of gifts, and the, you know the husband never even thought twice about it. Really, not seeing where the money's going, nothing really seemed to matter. But it was year after year, caught up after a few years. Mm. And another one I just spoke to last weekend, there was a meeting, and, and, a, and a friend of mine who's a financial planner, also with Investors Group, he walked into the meeting and uh, says, "So what's everybody here for?" Says, "Well, we have a problem." And there was the father, which was a client of this individual's, the and both. Um, the son and the daughter, and they're also clients. And the son and daughter said, well, we have a problem. Yeah, and, and there was not a happy person in this room. Oh, no. The daughter had rung up the credit cards to $100,000. Oh, my. And so the How fa- do you get a credit card with, well, I guess there's a combination of yeah. cards. Yeah. And they kept moving credit card balances right. all, all the time. It turned out that uh, the father uh, ended up forking out 75000 to oh, pay it off. Uh, and the... Uh, Son-in-law. It was actually his daughter. So the uh, the son-in-law had to add twenty five thousand to the line of credit. Mm. And so it, it does catch up to you. So again, this idea it's, it's so important, and that could cause a divorce. No yeah. question. That one easily could have caused caused a divorce. Could cause a death. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. So um, and I had this one. It was uh, like this is too extreme. I thought those were extreme until mm. I talked to another person. And uh, he went away for a business trip, came back, and his wife, in this case, it was a woman, um, had bought a cottage. Nice. With a friend. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That must With have another been a girlfriend. Long, that yeah, must have been girlfriend. a long business trip. Yeah, he just wow. went away. For it was back, a week. A week? Yeah, went away for a week, came back, and his uh, wife bought a cottage. Didn't ask about it, didn't talk about it. They weren't even looking for cottages. <laughs> 
It was out of the. It was. It so was a good deal. Must man. have been a steal. <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> yeah. an estate sale. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, with that in mind, uh, uh, she also ended up uh, with a divorce, and mm. she lost a good friend out of this too, because that all split up too. Uh. So again, talking about money, this is where a financial planner, if you're having an, if, an I think issue. The, I think the cottage was just a vehicle here. I think her motive was the same right uh, maybe, the right. <laughs> maybe. I don't, I'm not quite sure, but uh, um, the other very popular one is bankruptcy. Yeah. People won't talk about a previous bankruptcy, mm-hmm. so they're in a relationship, mm-hmm. and uh, nothing about their previous bankruptcy comes up. Unless all of a sudden they need to get a loan together, and that bankruptcy comes up quite yeah. often. So the sooner you get together and discuss proper financial planning, um, have a have somebody come in and go over your financial goals. Okay, and this should be something that's regular. It's not like it's kind of like walking your dog. You don't do it once at the beginning. Go for a long walk and say, "Okay, good, we got that out of the way." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about money, it should be at least an annual event. Hmm. And maybe Valentine's Day is a real good day to talk about this. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah. How, with, if you do have a financial... I don't know if I want that financial planning advice, Don. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might be... Uh, Today's not, a good day. It's already passed. <laughs> it's passed. Yeah, it's Saturday. It, yeah. Actually, a lot of people are uh, celebrating Valentine's That's Day right. on the weekend. Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, they're too busy. Sure. They get home at after driving home from Toronto yeah. from work. They're home yeah. at seven o'clock and it's like, let's yeah. do it another day. Yeah. So actually makes a lot of sense too. But uh, it would have, by having a financial planner, it keeps everything open and honest. Okay. So you're talking about your short-term goals, your medium-term goals and the long-term goals. Mm-hmm. So you work together on this. And actually, Andy and I always talk about this. It's having both spouses in, is in, involved is crucial. Yeah. I know that one usually takes care of it more than the other. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's quite normal that the one spouse We'll say, well, you know, I look, he, she looks after that, he looks after that. I don't need to be there. And we always disagree with that. Yeah. We want both spouses because there's no downside, first of all. No. There's no downside to having the other one involved at all. Not while you're there anyway. We want yeah. to <laughs> Good point. <laughs> we want to see that glazed over look. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> How much longer are we going to be? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So and, so, and make it ongoing. And this is a regular, a regular update, which, you know, Annie and I always do. Create a budget. You know, and, and a budget is always that kind of bad six-letter word, mm. but it really shouldn't be. Everybody has one. It's yeah. just whether they wrote it down. That's something you don't bring up on Valentine's That's Day. That's probably good yeah. not. Let's go over the budget, honey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At dinner tonight, yeah. let's bring a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd bring up my Quicken uh, over the last That's year my, yeah. and print it all out. And recognize that everybody's a little different. Yeah. You know, that, that those are the differences that got you together in the first place. But it's interesting, um, when it comes to money, quite often people fall to the lowest common denominator. Yeah. So if one's a spender and one's a saver, it seems the only way you get peace in the family is if the spender as a saver goes into the spending mode. Right. Okay. And it, it never seems to work the other way too often. Right. Yeah. So you need to have that third party come in to kind of help out a bit. So a few ideas for Valentine's Day is skip the date itself, not, to, not, the, not the tradition. So yeah, you know what? Forget it's Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It's now Saturday. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it. You know, it's a lot better to go on, uh, say, a, a few days later. It's too crowded. It's, yeah, it's nuts. Do I sound like I'm whining? See, I'm look sorry. At you Was go. that out loud? You, know, you can always <laughs> tell all those guys that have been Andy's married for a while. You guys, next thing you know, Andy's we're just going to turn in from head. a Valentine's dinner to a Valentine's breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea, Andy. Oh, hey, yeah. Look at you. It's at the drive through It's a drive <laughs> It's beautiful. An Egg McMuffin. Together in the car. Yeah. Prices are lower. Plus, midweek wasn't great anyway. Like you feel almost, oh God, I got to do Valentine's Day. It's, yeah. it's I'm tired. It's, it's halfway <laughs> through the week right now. You know why put that kind of pressure on you? Just go um, take a different day. 
Still enjoy it though. Um, cook together instead of going out. Making a cooking event. Okay, you don't have to actually go to a restaurant. All right, now you're getting corny. Okay. <laughs> um, do something fun. Yes. And this is, you know, restaurant. Okay, what? You're going to take a selfie at the latest restaurant yeah. like everybody else's? Go to uh, one of the waterfalls in Hamilton or Burlington. Take a selfie there. Go for a hike. Some great cross-country skiing. That's Get some free. exercise in. Y- you know what? When you tweet, Facebook, Instagram it, it's going to be way better. That's okay? right. Yeah, that's right. Good way point. better. And says, wow, we went to a restaurant for Valentine's Day. That's original, isn't it? Yeah. So <laughs> maybe do a, a workout together. Go do a spin class. Okay. But again... At the, at the end of the day, you can do things a lot differently, have a lot of fun, and actually you'll remember it because it will be different from everybody else. Oh, that's a good plan. Is that wash with your wife, Andy? <laughs> uh, we are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now, 905-529-7165. And don't forget the website, andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now and leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. Take a peek at the website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. And don't forget, starting next week, Saturday, February 24th, new time for the show, uh, 8 o'clock start time between 8 and 9, starting February 24th, new time for planning your financial future. Talking about RSP strategy. RSP strategies, it is that time. We're starting to feel a little bit of stress about the decisions, the deadlines coming. And I actually came across an article in the Globe and Mail this week that, uh, and the, the title of it was, Ask a Behavioral Economist, Why Do I Feel Anxious During RSP Season? Mm. And the question from uh, someone had written in is, I contribute regularly to my RRSP all year. So why do I feel such anxiety when RSP season rolls around? And so I'm going to come back to that article in, in a, in, at the end, but I just want to talk first. I'm going to create some more anxiety for you okay. by talking about Build all the strategies up. in our terms of RRSPs. And um, so, you know, RRSPs, you know, have been around for a long time. Yep. And, um, and it was interesting because since it's only since 1991 have we had this carry forward provision. Right. So if you didn't, if previous to that, uh, if you didn't use it, you lost it. Mm-hmm. So talk about anxiety, right? You you needed to get your money in. Mind you, the limit back then was like thirty five hundred bucks. So you didn't. Right. There wasn't a ton that was going into it in right. the context, but at the same time, it was a use it or lose it mentality for sure. Uh, and sometimes, you know how we are, human nature. Having that deadline yeah. is is pretty important, and it forces people to make some decisions. But anyway, RSPs have become a stable for all of us in terms of our retirement plan. So why do they still matter? We know we get immediate tax relief. Mm -hmm. So right away, you're going to lower your taxable income and you can do it right at source. Number two is it's a long-term focus. So we think about that money going out for the long-term, the point at which we retire. So we know that um, that, that money is going to be invested for quite a long time. And then the, the third part is compound growth. Mm-hmm. So Money can grow exponentially. It's the magic of compound growth. The earlier you start, the more you can get in, the better off you're going to be, the more you'll have available. And we'll talk more about that. And obviously what it means at the end of the day is you're going to pay less tax, you're going to have more for retirement, and you're going to have more peace of mind. Forget mm-hmm. about that RSP anxiety. We're, yeah. going to, we're, going to, we're going to blow right through that. So just some of the basics. Of course, Thursday, March 1st is the contribution deadline. 
And it's typically, it's always 60 days after the end of the calendar year, barring any snowstorms mm-hmm. or natural <laughs> phenomena yeah. that might force, force it to go an extra day or two. Um, the contribution limit, the maximum is $26,010 for 2017. So if you made, a, I think it's about 145000 18% of your income allows you to contribute the maximum. And of course, there's that unused contribution room that was carried forward since 1991. They like to remind us of that. And all this information is found on your notice of assessment. And uh, the notice of assessment, um, sometimes that gets lost. Mm -hmm. And we often tell people to bring it into the appointment. We want to just confirm the dollar amounts. We don't want to be in an over-contribution scenario. But um, uh, it's also available through MyCRA. Mm-hmm. So MyCRA is actually a great tool now, and I'm finding more and more <clears throat> clients are taking advantage of it. Basically, you're creating an account through a secure login system at uh, Canada Revenue Agency. And when you first sign up, they'll send you a PIN. What's the purpose you, of it? Why would you do so this? So the PIN, then you can access, you can see, you can find your notice of assessment. Mm. You can go right online and find your notice of assessment. Find mm. out what your contribution history has been. Find out what your limits are. Find out what your tax-free savings account limit is. Find out what your Canada pension plan expe- expected uh, right. income will be. All kinds of uh-huh. information is available to you through my CRA. So it's a really a valuable tool. I encourage people to look after that. So... The, the number one tip is obviously trying to maximize your contribution. And again, we come back to the fact that the more money you can get in there, the more compound growth on a tax-deferred basis. You get the immediate tax reduction as well. And depending on your tax bracket, it's it can be very significant. So if you're in a 45% tax bracket, which means you're probably earning around $90,000, you're going to you're going to save forty five hundred dollars on a ten thousand dollar contribution, mm-hmm. right? And so the um, maximizing is obviously a key. Those unused contribution room uh, that unused contribution room represents a lot of potential tax saving. It's not uncommon to see people with tens of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. of unused contribution room. And, uh, and I had a client this year who will be selling their business in twenty eighteen. And to the tune of probably a taxable capital gain in the three hundred to four hundred thousand dollar range. So, what a great opportunity mm-hmm. to use up unused contribution room. At the, while they were in their business and working, they often didn't pay themselves, you know, right. a ton, or they um, didn't have enough to, right. to, to right. maximize every year. So they would uh, carry forward this. So they're going to be able to use a really tax efficient way of tax planning. Uh, they'll Would be it, saving at 53% on everything over $220,000 of income. In something w- like with a scenario like that, <clears throat> would it be wise to put all of that in all at once or do it over a series of years? Does it matter? Is every That's a great question. Different? Great question. And one of the tips we're going to talk about is tax bar- bracket management. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but, it depends your situation. Yeah. And in this case, because their income, their taxable income for 2018 is going to be over $220,000. Anything over two hundred twenty thousand dollars, you should be maximizing it all. If you've got a hundred, if if they make three hundred and twenty, they should put a hundred thousand dollars into RSPs if they have the room because they'll save fifty three point five three percent. Even if you have to borrow in that case, absolutely, yeah, because you know down the road you're looking at pulling it out, the money out, and it won't be, it certainly won't be fifty three and a half percent. If it is, that's the you know. Good for you. Good for you. you know? yeah. <laughs> that means you're making a lot of money at retirement too. But when you're in the highest bracket, you want to take full advantage of that bracket 
because you're guaranteed you're going to be at least in that bracket, but more than likely you're going to be in a lot lower tax bracket later. Right. And you know, we get this. You know, that difference in tax is like guaranteed return on your money. Yeah. You know, that's the only thing that's a pure gift. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree 100. percent So you, you, no money to contribute is obviously the biggest problem people have, and so mm-hmm. uh, an in-kind contribution where you can take other stock that you might have um, and get that into an RSP in kind, or perhaps borrowing, as Don said, borrow to invest, uh, borrow to invest in the RSP. So maximizing the contribution, if you think about uh, the income stream that your RSP is going to create for you at retirement at age 65, if you look out over a 25 year period of, ret- uh, of retirement, uh, if you have $200,000 in your RRSP, it would generally create about 13,500 a year for 25 years. Mm. You got 400,000, almost 27,000, 600,000, 40,000 a year, 800,000, $54,000 a year of income for 25 years of retirement. So that would take you from age 65 right through to age 90, right? Mm. So clearly that money is going to be a foundation for your retirement income and your lifestyle as you head into retirement too. So tip number two is contribute early and contribute regularly. Um, And I don't want to sound like a broken record when we talk about these. And there's certainly, if we thought, oh, I've heard that before. And, uh, but it's worth repeating that if you're the kind of person who procrastinates and you make your contribution March 1st every year, and let's take an example where somebody is going to put $10,000 into, uh, into an RRSP on March 1st every year, and they're going to do that for 20 years. So if you do it on March 1st, by the time 20 years goes by, and I'm going to assume 4.75% rate of return, you're going to have Mm $318,000. Now, if you took the $10,000 and you just did it monthly, so instead of last minute March 1st, you did $833.33 for 12 months, the same investment, the same length of time, the same rate of return, you're going to have 331000 a difference of 13000 more. Mm. And finally, if you had the cash and you could have done your $10,000 instead of March 1st coming up, you did it January 1st last year, right. 2017, you would have uh, $337,000, a difference of $20,000. So $20,000, well... You know, you're, does it, on three hundred and thirty-eight thousand, it's it doesn't sound like a ton, but you know mm. what? You've got to, yeah. all of these opportunities are in front of us, and and you may not be able to do it every year, but mm-hmm. any year that you can get that in early, 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 or monthly mm-hmm. is going to be to your advantage. So is again, one lump sum early on better than you just said? Better than than every other month or every month rather? It is. It is. It is. Yeah. I mean, so it, if you're going to come up with it at the end of the year, you might as well try to come up with it at the beginning of the year. Yeah, because so often what happens is that people are always behind the eight ball, right? Yeah, They're always yeah. coming up with it at the end of the year, end mm-hmm. of the year. They scramble together and they get the money. And that's mostly because we're forced, yeah, right? Yeah. We have we have a deadline right. and we've got to get it done. Suddenly it's January 1st yeah. and you think, well, I got time. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's no there's no pressure. Sure. The only pressure is going to come from is Don and I saying yeah. we should get in as much as we can in now. Yeah. So in other words, if it's March 1st, we're actually going to ask you to make a double contribution. Mm-hmm. So you'd put in 10,000 March 1st for last year and then we'll get another $10,000 we for want to put year. in for 2018. Yeah. So that's that might be hard to swallow, right? Um so the the other thing is the age at which you start. Mm-hmm. And I can't impress this more. I mean, I have young adults now and trying to impress upon them 
getting started. That's I started, key, isn't it? Though? I started when I was 22 years old in the yeah. business, and uh, I remember setting up an, a pre-authorized contribution of 250 a month. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it seemed outrageous. It seemed just I can't afford to do yeah. it, but I've got to do it. And and today, you know, that's probably like about 700, yeah. 750 a month, yeah. which yeah. is a good chunk. Yeah. And uh, uh, but I'm glad I started it and I just mm. kept her going. That's and we the key, isn't it? Over yeah. Time. yeah. So if you started eight, let's say you put in 5,000 a year and you started age 25, 26, 27, or age 28, right? Just four years difference. In At age 25, you've got 40 years till mm. age 65. Obviously 26, 39, 38, 37 years. So in in essence, what's going to happen by uh, starting at age 25, I will have contributed uh, $200,000. The plan value is going to be 583,000 at age 65. Mm-hmm. If I wait one year and I start at age 26, now I've only put in 195,000, not 200. And now my plan's worth 151, a difference of $31,000. Hmm. So one year, imagine that. And this yeah. is only at 4.75% again. But that one-year decision to, to defer, I'm not going to start putting in my five grand, you know, 400 mm-hmm. a month. I'm going to wait um, $31,000. Yeah. Now, if you waited the, the, the four years, so it started at age 28, the difference is $90,000 mm. for, uh, you know, for a $15,000 difference in terms of what you could put in, uh, what you've put in versus yeah. the end result. So it's a huge factor, Man. huge factor starting early. So- mm. Um, number three, I love this one. Don doesn't it's number three is give yourself a raise. And if you're getting large tax refunds, uh Oh, if you're getting large tax refunds, the debate again. uh, you know, you're, you're sort of, I don't think you're maximizing the opportunity yeah. is really what I'm getting to. And, um, and the key thing here is there's a form, a government form called a T twelve thirteen. And the T1213 allows you to reduce, allows your employer to reduce the amount of tax that they are withholding at source off your paycheck Mm -hmm. compared to or in in lieu of what you're putting into the RSP. So Don or I would provide your employer a confirmation that you're contributing, you know, $500 a month. Mm -hmm. And then they would be able to work through the the form to see what, how much they could reduce your income tax withholding from. So now we have to do a second part of the strategy, which is you've got a little more money in your paycheck every month. Mm-hmm. Are we going to top up a little more to your RSP? Could we use some of that to a TFSA? Could we use some of that to your RESP? We got to get, we're going to take it from you every month because we don't want you to further it away. Yeah. I think it comes down to what kind of person are you? Yeah. Are you disciplined or are you not disciplined? Yeah, and yeah. there's a few issues around Because if you get this $200, it. call it $50 extra per week. Mm-hmm. Is there a chance that might fall through the cracks? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, if you get a refund of $2,400 a year, which is the same $50 New flat a screen. week, <laughs> does that get further away? Or could that be, is there more likelihood you could probably save that, put that in the kid's RESP? Yeah. And, you know, maximize that this year. So I guess it all comes down to, you know, absolutely right. If you're a robot and you're good at saving that money every yeah. month, yeah. then you'll end up with a slightly higher return by adding it monthly to the kid's RESP. Yeah. But if you aren't that disciplined and you know it, 
And I would suggest most people aren't. Mm-hmm. If we everybody was that disciplined, put it this way, we wouldn't have the savings crisis we have right now. Yeah, good point. Okay. <laughs> and therefore, if you had a plan and said, okay, once you get that refund check, just write the ch- write investors group, payable to investor group on the back, we'll add it right to the kids' RESP. Yeah. There's a far better chance of that happening. Yeah. So I think psychologically, it works out better for the refund. But mathematically, mm. it works better if you yeah. take that money invested every every week. I disagree. <laughs> oh, you, you have clients that actually save that fifty dollars a week. Good for you. Andy. In case we you're new, in case you're wow. new to the show, they have this discussion every Good for time. You. This we year, set them up the on a pre-authorized contribution. We want to grab that money right away because we know that contributing early is beneficial, and contributing regularly is obviously beneficial through dollar mm-hmm. cost averaging. So we get that money out of sight, out of mind as quickly as possible. And, uh, and I think the clients feel good about it because they know they're, they're, they're attacking it at two levels. Mm. They're getting their RSP money in, plus in addition to that, they're doing something else. And maybe it could be, maybe it's just they're increasing their um, biweekly mortgage payment by yeah. 50 bucks or a hundred bucks yeah. just to take off some, get rid of some extra debt. So giving yourself a raise, look at, look for that form T1213. And uh, tip number four is spousal RRSPs, planning for two. And I think the key thing about spousal RRSPs, and, and in some ways people have argued that they're less valuable or not really valuable at all anymore, but I think it comes down to the fact, are you going to retire before 65 or after 65? If you're going to retire after 65, any income that your RSPs are going to produce, you can split it between spouses. Um, less of an argument to, to worry about in terms of the R- spousal RSP. But anybody who, if one spouse is going to retire before 65 or both of you are going to retire before 65, the spousal RSP makes absolute sense. And I'm, I'm going to run through a quick scenario, but in 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 essence, the, the key thing is now income. So let's say you're 60 years old and you're retired and you didn't use spousal RSPs and you had an income from your registered plans of 60000 a year. Well, the average tax rate in Ontario is about 20%. So you're going to pay about twenty. You're going to pay about twelve thousand dollars in tax. Mm. You're going to end up with forty-eight thousand dollars left over. Right. If you had been using a spousal RSP and not completely, but to the point where now you could create four, twenty thousand of dollars in your spouse's name and forty thousand dollars in your own name, still sixty thousand gross. You're going to end up with a tax savings of four thousand dollars. You'll pay four thousand dollars less by being able to have that income taxed at two lower levels instead of one person at a higher level. So, key thing: disposal RSPs. It gives you flexibility, particularly if you think I might want to be able to retire before age sixty-five. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now. Leave a message. They'll return your call. 905-529-7165. And check out the website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Don't forget, starting next week, Saturday, February 24th, new time for the show. Starting next Saturday, February 24th, the show starts at 8 a.m. and runs till 9. That's 8 to 9. February 24th, and then moving forward. All right, talking about RSP tips RSP here. tips, and I'm on number five. And something I think people just get in the habit of doing this, but you're putting money into your RSP, which is a great thing. But we want to make sure that you're making tax-efficient deduction decisions. And what I mean by that is that are you using your tax bracket effectively? I'll have, I'll have parents uh, say to me, oh, I want to get my son just got his first job, or my daughter just got or had a, a, made a lot of money this summer. I'd like to get her started in an RSP. 
And uh, I said, well, how much did they make? And they said, well, he's, I think he's going to be, his contract's for $25,000. I said, well, you know, you're, he's in the lowest possible tax bracket. He was only going to pay about 15% tax. He put $1,000 into an RSP. You're only going to save $150 of tax. Right. <clears throat> Doesn't mean you can't put it in, but just don't deduct it. Right. Another example of that oh, was- Oh, so uh, what's the strategy here then? <clears throat> so contribute- Don't deduct it right away and Contribute. Then... I think the, ben- the benefit of creating the habit of, of contributing makes so much sense. Yeah. And it's like the 18% rule of, mm-hmm. of an RSP. Put away 18% of an RSP. You've got the money in there working for you. It's tax sheltered, but you're not going to uh, claim the deduction on your return. You're going until to you're you're, until you claim the contribution, but you won't claim it as a deduction. Right. So until you're can in a you higher do that? bracket. Can you do once Carry you're forward later, forever? So until you're in a bigger bracket. And it doesn't matter how long you nope. you decide to do that. So five years, ten years from now, once you're making exactly. more money, then you can do it. Your notice of assessment will track it every year, showing that you have a, a thousand dollar carry forward unused contribution. Right. And okay. the money's still there working. Money's for still you. there working for you. It's mm-hmm. invested. Yeah. And so I had an example this this uh, last week. A, a client called said, "I'm getting a twenty seven thousand dollar bonus. I want to." put it all into my RRSP. And I said, that's great. For Are you thinking this is for last year? Yes. So how much did you make last year? Uh, worked it through. So she was on a maternity leave mm. for part of the year. It turns out her income is going to be about $70,000. Mm. And they said, well, under 75000 between forty five and seventy five, you're in a big wide bracket there. It's like a 30% bracket. How much did you make the, how much are you going to make this year? And she said, oh, I'll be back to normal. I'll be about 140000 mm. I said, well, here's the deal. Wait, we'll put yeah. the 27000 in so you don't have to pay any tax on it right now, but you're not going to deduct it for last year. You're going to use it all for this year. Yeah. And so you're still working for you. You're not going to get tax savings from last year because it's not going to be the most efficient. Right. But too many people are putting money into RSPs, saving at one rate. And then when they take it out, perhaps paying uh, tax at a higher rate when mm. it comes out or the same rate. So back tax bracket mm. for sure. Number six is go for growth. I think sometimes overly conservative. I often see this too when people are using group RSP plans. So you're contributing through your employer and they sort of came in and just at the start of it, you sign up and you say, oh, I'll, I think I'll just pick a conservative portfolio or mm-hmm. I'll pick a moderate conservative Not portfolio. Not when you're young. Well, you shouldn't when you're young, yeah. but sometimes somebody, when you're young, you think, oh, I might need the money. Yeah. So maybe I should be cautious. If I, if I lose this job or I change jobs or I move out West and maybe I want to take the money out, but being conservative, going, for, uh, you need to go for growth in the RSP, let it be the long-term money. But you think about inflation, a thousand dollars today at 2% inflation in 10 years, will buy 820 bucks. In 20 years, $673. In 30 years, so if you're 30 years old and you're 60 now, 552, it's almost cut in half. That's a 2% inflation, which we've seen for the last decade or more. But you get to 4% inflation, your $1,000 after uh, 20 years is more than cut in half to 450 bucks, and after 30 years, $300, one third purchasing power. So if you don't have investments that are keeping pace with inflation, you gotta be beating inflation, you gotta go for growth. Resist the dip into your RSP. We know that if you take money out, it gets added to your income. Yeah. It's taxed on that withdrawal and it, you do not restore RSP room. So this is one key, unlike TFSAs, mm-hmm. so one confusion between the two. Yeah. You take money out RSP, you lose that room forever. So you can say, oh, I've got lots of room. But you've still lost the opportunity to shelter money. So yeah. not a great idea. I mean, the home buyer's plan, the lifelong learning plan are two exceptions to that where you're using it for investment into your future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, number eight, tax efficient investments. We often say, if you're going to balance your risk, you, you if you're going to earn interest income, 
it's maybe better to have that sheltered in your RSP because it's not going to be taxed. And if you have investments that are in dividends or capital gains, they should be outside of your RSP. Um, And number nine is special RSP deductions. Take advantage of these. These are retiring allowances if you've lost your job. Um, or a pension adjustment reversal. Again, if you're switching from one company to another, you may get some uh, RSP room back. And finally, designating a beneficiary. Um, The key thing here is you're trying to avoid probate taxes. And basically, by making your RSP a beneficiary your spouse, it's a tax-free rollover. If you make it your children, there, it's going to be taxed at death, but it does avoid probate tax mm-hmm. as well. So I just wanted to come back to the, our, be, our sort of behavioral economists. Why do we feel so anxious during RSP time? <laughs> and one of the key things, it's called the scarcity effect. And the scarcity effect and the key, key thing about RSP season is that there's a looming deadline. Yeah. So March 1st, you feel like you have scarcity of running out of time. I haven't been thinking about my investments for a while. I've been procrastinating. Now I feel like I don't have enough time to get all my ducks in a row and figure it out. And so this perception is a, a time scarcity. So I run out of time. So now I'm feeling anxiety or pressure over that. The second one um, is what we call the messenger effect. And um, the messenger effect is the, the constant headlines. So mm-hmm. the fact that you're listening to the show right now, yeah. <laughs> sorry to contribute to your anxiety, uh, but basically... No, you're relieving <laughs> the anxiety, Andy. Okay. The research shows us that the weight that we give to information depends greatly on the perceived authority of the source that it's coming from. So if you're getting financial information from a friend or a relative, but if it's somebody that you respect mm-hmm. financially then you're going to get anxious about doing the same thing they're doing and getting it done. And finally, the last one, which is loss aversion. Uh, people are anxious because they don't want to lose out on that huge tax refund. Yeah. And they feel that they've got to get it done or else they're going to miss it. And if they miss that, then, you know, again, I'm, I'm losing out on some opportunity. Mm. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group. 905-529-7165. Call now. They'll return your message. And, of course, don't forget the website, andyanddon.com. We're coming back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Don't forget, new time for the show starting next Saturday, February 24th. The show moves from to 8 o'clock, from 8 o'clock until 9 o'clock, starting February 24th. And, of course, call now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. We're talking about alphabet soup. Yes, yes. If, and if you Are we still at, into financial planning? We're still we financial planning. Here? I know Soup Fest is coming up. That's it. You know, Alpha, Alpha Getty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And something with numbers in it. Well, there's all sorts. When you see a, a business card and you see all these things beside, behind their name, now, usually the first one is whatever degree they have. Right. So in my case, it's Bachelor of Commerce, so you see BCom. Others might be Bachelor of Economics, whatever mm-hmm. it is. So that's usually the degree from the university. Mm-hmm. But after that, what makes them qualified to be a financial planner? Yeah. And if you look at there, and there isn't any other n- letters besides their name other than what they got in university, you might want to question whether you should be working with them, mm-hmm. to be quite frank. Um, the number one, if they only had w- three letters beside their name, the ones you want to see are CFP, right? Certified Financial Planner. Because that is a, a lifelong commitment to this field. It mm-hmm. means you were not only, you had to work very hard to get this, okay? They're back in the university courses. Um, there's all these called capstone courses that you have to finish and then a big exam at the end of it. 
um, passing actually two other exams, and finally you get your, your CFP. Mm -hmm. But that's not the end of it. You have to then add 40 hours of learning or, or practice credits each year mm. um, in order to keep your CFP. And they do audit these every so often. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you've been audited, Andy. Mm -hmm. Definitely been audited. Yeah, so have <coughs> I. And so we have to keep track of how many hours. Of those, 10 must be um, technical, and 30 could be more general. Mm -hmm. Okay. But uh, yeah, it, it just means the person is very committed. I know both of us probably are way over our, our numbers each year. Part of the reason is just getting ready for the show every week, probably. Yeah, really, <laughs> okay. no. yes. So that keeps you on the go. <laughs> but CFP is extremely important. There's a bunch of other ones, though. PFP. I would hold a, a, a lesser degree. It's really a lot, a lot of the bank employees may have that. Mm -hmm. It means they wrote an exam. They don't have to take the same amount of courses or the same amount of hours after the fact. In fact, if you have your CFP, you can simply just go write your PFP. Right. Okay. And then you've got that beside your name also. Um, there, it seemed to be a big push on years ago, something called an RFP, Registered uh, Financial Planner. And that seems to have gone, I haven't heard that one too much of late. Um, it's certainly about 20 years ago. It was kind of a, they almost like it was like a fight between the RFPs and the CFPs, who mm. was going to win out. Right. And in my opinion, it, it seems to be the whole field, CFP has won out. Right. And the RFPs kind of held themselves a little head, a little higher saying, well, we are not only a CFP, but we have an RFP. You can't be, you can't be an RFP unless you're a CFP. Right. And. I don't know if it gained much traction after that. I could be wrong and maybe I'll get some emails <laughs> after this show, but I, I don't hear about it nearly as often as I used to. Um, CFA, that's a totally different one. That's a chartered financial analyst. And if you're, if you're a CFA, good for you, by the way, um, you're globally recognized at a high level of knowledge and proficiency in the advanced investment management, meaning you can actually run a fund. <coughs> you can look after a mutual fund of some sort um, quite often you'll see uh, somebody running a pension fund with yeah. a CFA. A mutual fund can be uh, run by CFA. And some people may want to have all this excess knowledge because they want to understand it more, a little deeply, a little more deeply than, say, a, a financial planner. I, I have no interest personally in running people's money that way. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'd rather let the pros do it. And the pros would have a CFA. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, then you get into other ones called a CLU. Now this is a chartered life underwriter. And this one here is more of a designation for the insurance industry. Mm -hmm. Okay, now a CLU um, could easily also be, a chartered life underwriter could also be a CFP. In fact, if one, I would actually suggest if you are dealing with an insurance planner, more mm -hmm. or less, I'd, I'd like to see that person also with the more, being more well-rounded and have a CFP also. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I personally have both. I've taken both courses. One is certainly a lot more insurance oriented, mm -hmm. um, a lot more estate planning, risk management, understanding what the whole life insurance business is for. But I do find it seems uh, somewhat biased mm -hmm. towards the insurance industry. Right. And you'll always find a reason to get insurance. Right. Okay. Yeah. Insurance, to my opinion, is <coughs> is important. Mm -hmm. Okay. It has its places. But... Uh, I don't think I don't think you'd be well-rounded enough if that was your only area of expertise right. when you're looking after people's money. Because I have seen, I'm sure Andy's seen, people in life insurance poor. They put all their yes. money in insurance, mm -hmm. and they've built up hoping some, they something happens. I guess yeah. I, but they're not building up wealth that they can really live off. And yeah, you can cash in your insurance and so forth, but it's not the most effective way. But it can be part of the plan. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I'm disagreeing that you shouldn't have any. It's just a matter. It shouldn't be the only way you look at things. And then there's uh, something both Andy and I have called the EPC, 
elder planning counselor. And this is really a, it's not a long course, it's more of end of life planning. It talks about, you know, basically people once they get into retirement, post-retirement market. And it's, you know, there's a lot of issues that happen with people as they age. A great course, I know I, I learned a lot, dealing with um, just their mentality, how they think, what's important to them. You know, just, you know, sometimes it's difficult to put yourself in, in a, a, another person's shoes. Mm -hmm. This course did a great job in doing that, mm. okay? And then there's uh, two called a CFDS, a Chartered Financial Divorce Specialist. Uh-oh. And <laughs> a Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. To me, they're the same. So if, if your planner has either of those, one is a Canadian, run by a Canadian firm, one is run by a U.S. firm, I'm not sure which one's better. I'm actually in the process of one of them right now. Mm -hmm. And it's simply, again, because we do have a lot of clients that split and in their marriage and they ask for a lot of, they ask a lot of advice and it's always nice to have, you know, being well-rounded in this field. But mm -hmm. again, there's so many rules involved in this and it, it is interesting, but at the end of the day, I would suggest that if you are dealing with a financial planner, at least have a CFP and they should have, be looking at always improving their knowledge in this field. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Check out the website, andyanddon.com as well. Call them at 905-529-7165. Leave a message. They will return your call. And don't forget, starting next Saturday, February 24th, new time for planning your financial future. Starting February 24th, the show runs from 8 until 9 a.m. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll see Thank you next you, week. Scott. See you next week, everybody.